Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, what would you do if you woke up to a man in the top hat dancing in your room? That's what we find out today on our weekend kid-friendly edition of Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown, and quite possibly, the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us or write in realghoststoriesonline.com, our website. If you really like the show, you want bonus episodes, advanced episodes, uh, you want our ebook, our audiobook, all of that included in your membership, and sign up, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. It's only $5 a month. And for that, you get access to more than 300 plus exclusive EPP bonus episodes. You get advanced episodes of the show weeks before the release to the public, all commercial free. And like I said, our ebook, our audiobook, there's a lot of video features on there as well, too. You can sign up in one of two places, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. It is the weekend uh, kid-friendly edition of the program. And of course, joining me for that is Miss Harper. And how are you this fine day? I'm doing good. And Dad, do you remember Cautionary Tales? Of course I remember Cautionary Tales. We started working on it last week. I know. Uh, Cautionary Tales with Harper. Yep, Cautionary Tales with Harper. That's the uh, the new podcast that uh, we're working on. That is, it is Harper's show. I am playing the role of co-host on that, and Harper is playing the role of host on that. And it's a show where we take cautionary tales and and discuss them, things that you've been told your whole life, or maybe even current pop culture ones where it's like you're told, don't do this, don't do that. And then we dive into the investigative end of it and uh, see... You know, how how authentic are these warnings? You know, it's kind of nice me being the host and you being the co-host. Well, that, that's kind of a nice change of pace. It is a nice change of pace. I can sit over there and just do, just do nothing all day. No, it, no it, it's fun. You got to stay on top of it. But uh, our, our first topic that we talked about was... Uh, Halloween candy. Yes. And what did you think of that with, uh, with Halloween candy and, and the... The tale or the the cautionary tale is check your Halloween candy. 
it's just why Halloween candy? Well, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where it's it's something that is vulnerable. With- what did kids do in the world that caused this person to do this to candy? Well, exactly. There, there's sick, horrible people out there. And what we do find out in that episode is quite interesting about the the history of checking Halloween candy, how frequently there's been actual issues uh, and the frequency at which and the weight that we put on on checking it just to be safe. But it's one of those things as a parent that even even when you have very small risks of things and your kids are involved, you you do things differently than if it was just you. Um, and so that ends up being more cautionary um, than what you would do on your own. Um, so it, it's interesting, but, uh, that was our first episode. We're working on it and, uh, we're shooting towards the end of August, early September for having that show, uh, released on its own, stand by itself once a week, new episodes of cautionary tales with Harper. So, uh, stay tuned. And we'll be talking about as, uh, as that gets developed and, uh, then officially released, uh, on today's episode of real ghost stories online, I have, uh, some very interesting stuff to talk about some great ghost stories and, it's not necessarily ghost stories, but some very interesting coincidences and creepy stuff that I found out this week. Great. About the area that we live in. Okay. Are this, you might, a... this might give me nightmares, but <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> this might give me nightmares, but let's do this. <laughs> I uh, might have to buy those like um, ghost rods that you do um divining rods how do you even know about divining rods what they are is that you hold them in their hand really steady and pick um straight out and if there's any natural um activity what you do um crossing the rod Mm -hmm. is yes and them opening up is no how do you know this i've done a lot of research (laughs) (laughs) I've, I didn't. I mean, I knew about divining rods, but I didn't know yes and no. I, I, I know people use them, but you seem to know more about them than I do. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't have them in our house. I don't know how she knows these things, but. Well, later we could probably buy them off Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we can get that as a prime item. Uh <laughs> is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. I'm going to go into your room one day and you're going to have like a Ouija board set up and you're going to have like a ghost box and you're communicating with a dog. I'm probably just going to communicate with a cat. Are the cats teaching you this stuff? Is that what? Are the cats like, here's how you use divining rods? You know, I don't know. I wish. Let's go to our first story it says hello i've recently started listening to your podcast while i am at work and it's super interesting and i always look forward to it i have two stories from two different locations the first location is the house that i've lived in since i was two which my family still lives in my bedroom uh in the house is haunted before my parents divorced it was my mom's room she'd always tell me about things she would see at night in the room both she and I are overly sensitive to paranormal enter- entities and energies, etc. So this wasn't too out of the ordinary. My mom would tell me stories about how several times she'd awaken during the night and see people or shadows or even animals in her room. 
For example, one time she woke up and saw a pack of dogs run out of her closet. Another time she saw a woman's face staring at her from the ceiling. I'm sure there have been more examples as well, but she knows I get freaked out very easily, so she did not tell me all of them. My experience in the room has been remarkably similar to hers. I probably see something strange about once a month. Most recently, I've woken up to a man in the middle of my room dancing. The man had long, stringy hair, a top hat. I've also seen strange dark masses floating above me and a small child riding a bicycle up to my wall. The creepiest thing I've seen, though, happened close to the door of my room, which leads out of the hallway. About four years ago, I was talking on the phone to a friend. It was later at around 11 or 12 at night. I had the lights out in my room and was staring out the window into the night. I've always liked being and looking outside at night. Anyway, I'm on the phone and I randomly turned to look at my bedroom door and there's someone standing there. I can't see them very clearly because I do not have my glasses on and it's dark, but it is a man and he looks like he's clothing from another time on. He seems to have a vest with a white button-up shirt, almost like he's from the Victorian era. I'm freaked out, so I turn on the light and nobody is there. Because their house was built in the 1930s, it seems unlikely that a Victorian ghost is haunting it. But I asked my mom about the previous owners, and she informed me that the lady who owned the house before the previous owners, so two owners ago, if that makes sense, actually died in my room. So my mom and I have this theory that the closet is sort of a portal, and that that's why we've both seen so many different entities. And perhaps the lady who died in my room passed through that way as well. Who knows? Anyway, the second story uh, took place in uh, the Mansfield Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio. I went in the February of this year with my boyfriend. This is where part of the Shawshank Redemption was filmed. And I'm a huge Stephen King fan. So my boyfriend wanted to take me. This prison is known to be haunted, and being as sensitive as I am, I'm surprised I did not pick up on more of this than I did. Besides the entire place being super creepy, it was one of the warden's residence rooms, and I felt something. Apparently, when the prison was in use, the warden and family would live in a wing of the prison. When we toured, there was one wing where I walked into a room. I felt this overwhelming sense of sadness wash over me. I literally had to restrain myself from crying. I found out later that in that room, the warden's wife was reaching for some laundry on a shelf and had accidentally knocked over a box that had the family's gun in it and accidentally shot herself. Her husband, the warden, died a bit later from sadness and heart problems. I truly did not know these details until after I got home, so I was shocked, but also it made sense. Also in the chapel in the prison, I was standing in one spot and suddenly freezing wind started blowing on me, and this was just a little breeze. It was so strong it kept blowing my hair back. felt like I was standing in front of a fairly strong fan, and it stayed on me for as long as I would stand there. When I tried to get my boyfriend to feel it, it stopped. Also, it was February, so the AC would not have been on if they even had air conditioning. The third thing that happened was that we toured the hospital wing of the prison. The hospital wing was freezing. It was maybe 40 degrees outside. This wing had to have been less than 20 there's literally ice on the floor, and by the time my boyfriend and I left, neither of us could feel our fingers. When I walked into the hospital, I immediately got lightheaded and nauseous. I'm not sure if I was just already weirded out from everything that had happened or if I was picking up on all the negative experiences and feelings of sickness from the past inmates. Whatever it was, I had a really good time, and if you're ever in that area, uh, when things open up again, I would highly recommend checking it out. 
feel free to share both of my stories on the podcast. And thanks for the podcast. It makes my workday go by quickly and spookily. Okay. First of all, of course you're going to get that cold feeling, especially in a hospital. Why is that? Because you never know. People could have died there. Well, people very likely did die there, as well as in the prison uh, as well. So are you saying all haunted places will have a cold feeling to them? Well, it's another thing, because it's just like thing, like cold and warm feelings. Mm-hmm. Re- remember the other episode where I said cold might be a good feeling for for um natural well paranormal mm-hmm. but warm might be a bad feeling sure so depending on the the temperature that you're getting that's kind of abnormal to the environment that you're in you're saying maybe the the temperature has something to do with the type of spirit that it is yeah i could see that i could see another thing too when they talked about the the sadness feeling in the residence where um, the woman accidentally shot herself when reaching for laundry detergent. Um, just the mere fact that this family lived essentially attached to the prison. It was part of their job. And it's something that probably wouldn't be happening nowadays, but back in the day, um, there was a lot of things like that where the the person who's controlling the business or the, the facility or is the watch person of this or that lives on property. Um, and so that was common when it would come to a, a, a prison of some sort. Cemeteries, same sort of thing. Gravekeepers lived on property um, and still do in some cases. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm the sadness, certainly, yes, that would come from someone accidentally killing themselves. Um, and then the individual, the family feeling that sadness. But I think even more than that, even more than those unfortunate incidents happening and the, the, the depression that set in with the man, I think just being there, that that is your lot in life. Your husband is the warden of a prison. And you, at that point in time, things were quite different uh, in terms of, uh, families separating or divorcing or saying, no, we're not going to live in a prison. Um, there was very much uh, a time in our, our world where, uh, in our country, where it was what the man said goes, period. And there wasn't a lot of uh, negotiating uh, or or the man necessarily seeing to it that everyone is satisfied and happy and living a fulfilling life. It was more so a matter of necessity for this is a job I'm going to get paid. And this is what's going to keep a roof over our head. Uh, And there was also just the, this is what I like to do. I don't care what you like to do. Not a lot of openness to others feelings and trying to make sure people are happy. So if that wife was unhappy or sad uh, or depressed living there, that would certainly make an impact on the rest of that house as well uh, beyond just accidentally dying. And you have to wonder if someone is feeling that sad and that depressed and all that, you have to wonder how much of an accident was getting laundry detergent and and getting shot. Um, Maybe, maybe she did possibly take her life. I don't know. I don't know all the details of it, but it it wouldn't be, I think a far stretch. Why would a family weapon be in a, in a laundry room? People didn't at one point they, they, they weren't very vigilant on, where they kept weapons 
there wasn't a, a ton of thought necessarily uh, that there is today as far as, uh, uh, you know, children getting into them. That's a more relatively new thing over the last 30, 40 years. Um, but uh, more so, this things would have been out. And plus, it's a prison. So you, you almost have to have some weapons readily available, too, in different areas. Should there be a prison break and they try and get into your residence, you don't want to just have your gun in one room. So I, I could see being in a... If you were there, you probably have a gun in almost every room uh, somewhere accessible should you need it. Uh, if prisoners are trying to escape. So, kind of a scary story. Yeah, but also who would want to live in a prison? Not a lot of people. <laughs> Probably why it's also not much of a thing anymore. So That's good. Yeah. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to our next story. It says, this is not my personal story, but one from my aunt. She was married and had a small daughter at the time. They lived in a small town, very rural and conservative. Also, this was in the 80s. One night, my aunt was asleep next to her husband. She suddenly woke up drowsy, but she looked to the foot of her bed and saw a little girl. She knew, however, that this little girl was not her daughter. She was wearing a dress and just standing at the end of her bed. My aunt was immediately scared, but did not think ghost automatically. She thought that maybe it was one of the children from across the street. She practically yelled at the girl, what the hell are you doing here? This should not wake up her husband somehow. The little girl just dissipated in front of her, disappeared. My aunt did not have a good sleep that night, but she was not too worried because she thought that it might just be a dream. The next morning, my aunt was asking her daughter and husband if they had heard or saw anything unusual or weird, and they proceeded to tell them the story. Previous to the whole story, her daughter had always had imaginary friends. She would talk to random things and even said, things about specific people. This, of course, did not phase anyone just because she was a small child who had a wild imagination. Anyways, as soon as my aunt told her daughter the story, daughter looks her dead in the eyes and says, Betsy doesn't like you. Mind you, her daughter's name is Jolene. Of course, my aunt was very scared and asked her daughter many questions, but only got the same response. Betsy doesn't like you. My aunt thought that might be because she had yelled at the little girl, did not like her now. My dad also had an experience in that house in the basement. It was not anything more than something messing with the light switch, but I find it's odd because I feel as if this ghost is very playful, which would be natural if it is, in fact, a small child. My dad never had any more experiences in that house, though. Eventually, my aunt divorced and moved out and Jolene moved away. My aunt never had any more experiences, and neither did my dad. It all seemed to happen in that house. And now that no one lives there anymore, we have no idea what kind of energy is there. I'm just glad that the spirit wasn't malicious. Anyway, that's my story. Love the podcast. Hopefully the story was all right, and you find it interesting. What type of child just go ahead and keeps on... And... um Keeps on... Interacting? Doing, interacting in like the same words. Like, Betsy doesn't like you over and over again. You gotta think about that. Like, was Betsy being possessive over the child? Either the child that was relaying the message? Like, like, are you saying, are you wondering, was the little girl possessed and then saying, Betsy doesn't like you? As if Betsy is speaking through her? Yeah. I don't know about that. 
Um, there's not a lot of, it's an interesting way to look at it, but there's not a lot of signs that point to the, the daughter being possessed. I, I think the little girl is just flat out seeing the other little girl and the other little girl is, is telling her, I don't like your aunt. I don't like her. I don't like her. I don't like her. And then the little girl is just relaying the message as, as directly as children do sometimes. Yeah, but um, the little girl wasn't in the room um, as the aunt was wo- was woken up by Betsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm thinking that it's 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 an imaginary friend, quote unquote, but it is a very real imaginary friend. Where when that little girl grows up, she's going to be able to say, um, "No, I saw her flat out." Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Just having a little um, ghost girl just like you gotta think about this like how did this little girl Mm -hmm. die yeah what happened how 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 is she seeing it and 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 i'll ask you i mean you are little right now you were super little not that long ago um even when we're doing the show i would have you on when you were littler um you know, did you ever, when you were in your crib or anything, did do you have any recollection of ever seeing anybody that, you know, wasn't a person that you can now go and say, no, I don't, that wasn't a member of our family that I saw wandering around? No, I never saw anyone. Never had any ghost experiences, you know, that you can recall? No. I, I, I'm trying to think if there was, I, I don't know. I, I'll have to ask mom. I'm just trying to remember if there was any times where it looked like you were in your crib. You know, sometimes cats will like, they'll be like looking at something and we don't see whatever the hell they're looking at. Yeah. But they're like all like enthralled with something that we don't see. Sometimes kids are like that, like little kids, like babies and, and, and toddlers and things. And, and you observe that as an parent and you're like, what are they focusing on? And, and you can't quite make it out and sometimes they'll even say something like well it's that so and so and like are you imagining this remember that titanic museum yeah i think something touched me so you you felt something but you didn't see anything i felt something but i didn't see anything what did you feel it was like a hand where just like pressing on my shoulder yeah that really freaked me out you you had a, an issue there, and you normally don't have issues in many places. Of like, I don't want want to be here. You were when you were younger. You were you were a great child. You just never really had. You, you were not a tantrum thrower for the most part. So so for and you really didn't throw a tantrum there. You were just like, I don't like this area. We need to keep moving. I can recall like one hot summer night when mm-hmm. we, well, not night, but like afternoon. Mm-hmm. I don't know what time it was, but it was very hot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that room was like freezing cold. Like when uh, we visited, yeah. Yeah. Like colder than than it was. Well, that part's not paranormal. That that part is supposed to be cold. They I they, know. But how how can you do that on a hot summer day where all the other rooms are like normal room temperature well again that part is not paranormal the feeling a hand and your adverse reaction to it is but that's just air conditioning in a well-insulated room that makes it that 
cold. So the, okay. the, the coolness is not ghostly, um, but the other feelings that you had and other people have had in that same spot are. You had that experience before even I think a lot of the world knew about the haunting of that location because there was that Ghost Adventures episode that came out after the fact that actually focused on that very specific area where you felt that presence. And and I, I, I don't put a lot of weight on what I see on Ghost Adventures, but they did find handprints on the windows uh, that separate the outside and the inside area uh, during their investigation. So take that for what it's worth. Maybe it was producers. Maybe it was a show. I don't know. Uh, but um, it, uh, it it was a very interesting um, connection uh, that that you had this well before really anybody even knew about uh, that. Yeah, and that's something that you got to think about because I think there is like a real life, well, a real um, patio chair from the Titanic that was in there. There is. And there's life jackets, and there's there's a lot of things that were really from the Titanic that are are in there. Yeah, it's just like you got to think about this. Like, okay, what if I was that person and like trapped in this very specific room that looks like the moment that I almost died? Well, that that's something that investigators and stuff do quite often when they're investigating a haunting. Sometimes they will try and get the environment to be similar to what the atmosphere was like when the person was alive. Um, and sometimes they have better luck than bringing out uh, spirits or bringing out uh, a haunting, not in a taunting way or anything like that, but just trying to speak in, in terms of how they would have spoken back then trying to set up the environment to look like it may have looked maybe dress and things of that nature. And the Titanic museum is, is, nothing more than you know a small replica of the titanic and if if your spirit or something is attached to one of those items it would be rather confusing i think to suddenly be in an environment that is strangely reminiscent of the place where you died um i mean there are so many areas in that museum that are shockingly uh authentic the grand staircase being the one that that to me was just amazing uh and being a titanic dork and having been studying titanic since i was younger than you um i the grand staircase was always such a neat thing to look at and see the pictures of and then to to come around that corner and see their recreation of it 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 literally it kind of choked me up because it's like this is something I've been seeing in pictures my whole life, and I know it wasn't the real Grand Staircase, but their recreation of it to scale uh, is quite amazing. Um, and then uh, you add the artifacts in there that were, in fact, on that boat the night of its sinking. Um, you have a great recipe for a haunting. Doesn't um, Lovey's friend that's back in mm -hmm. Branson? Branson. Doesn't her mom own the Titanic Museum? She doesn't own it, but but she she works there, and, and we've been trying for years. And it's main a lot of it's my fault of not being able to get a time set up. But we've talked about going in there and and doing a show and and doing a walkthrough, and and hopefully sometime maybe that will happen, or at least have her on the show to talk about it. I have heard rumors that uh, during this time uh, when things have been 
kind of closed up and things have been different, uh, that activity has amped up in the museum. I don't know what or how, but um, I mean, last year there was a photo or a video that uh, that was off of her phone, um, the mom uh, of, of uh, Libby's friend, uh, that uh, we, we saw before it was ever released uh, of a Christmas tree in the museum being yanked down. Uh, just, it wasn't like it tipped over. It was like, boom, like somebody had a, a rope attached to it and just pulled it down to the ground really fast and really violently. You're going to have to show me that video later. I, if I can find it, I will. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen it in a long time, but, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely stuff, uh, stuff there. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's listen to a caller. Hi, Hi. Tony, Carol, maybe Harper. Um, my name's Nikki. I live in New England. And most of my family, I guess you could call us intuitive. Um, my grandmother was able to predict every child born in our family down to the date, the gender, the weight of the baby. Um, my mother and my grandmother both told me an account of my mother's experience when she was about five. Um, a neighborhood girl had died of leukemia. She was about 11. My mother was about five at the time and it was awake and my grandmother decided to bring her to this wake. Well, uh, they were at the wake and, uh, <laughs> My mother set, yells out, why is everybody crying? She's right here because she was having a conversation with this girl. And my grandmother, horrified, grabbed her by the hand and led her out of the funeral um, quite quickly and admonished her because back then, that was like the 60s, you didn't talk about that stuff. And, um, you know, she told her, don't tell people your abilities. They'll think you're crazy. Um, keep it to yourself. So, um, a lot of the people in my family, I've, we've all had a, all kinds of experiences. I'll have to call in other times and tell you, but, um, then my great grandfather, he died when I was probably about five. And when I was about 14, I was sleeping and looked over my shoulder. It was about 4 a.m., looked at the clock. I was sleeping on my stomach, looked at the clock, 4 a.m. And I see this huge figure standing at the foot of my bed. And of course, like everybody, I pulled the covers over my head and went back to sleep. Um, but the most distinctive thing is I could remember this being wearing a brown robe. Fast forward to about, I was 20, and me and my grandmother were having a conversation. And I had mentioned, you know, yeah, when I was 14, this happened to me and she said your great-grandfather wore the same brown robe every night to bed so um, and then years later when my sister was born I was about 17 when she was about two or three um, she would be constantly talking to somebody and the lights would flicker on and off in the living room and me and my mother happened to look in in the living room one day and she was playing with her toys on the floor and said, you know, we said, who are you talking to? And she said, Papa. We're like, Papa? Okay. And she's like, looks at my mother and she says, Mom, he's really tall. Well, at that time, we had no pictures of my great-grandfather. The only pictures we had were from the shoulder up, just a headshot. Um, 
son. Um, and so that verified that she, that's who she was talking to was my great grandfather. And, um, yeah, so that's my story. I know it's not as scary as some of your other callers, but, uh, love the show. I'm an EPT member and I'll have to call in with some of my other stories. Take care. Bye. What do you think? That's kind of nice that the great grandfather um, came to visit her. That was nice. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where he's there and uh, it's not necessarily probably meant in any sort of spooky way, but just the fact that it is a ghost, you know, ends up being kind of spooky by itself. Yeah, but it's just like it's a family member. It's not like this random person died in your home. That is true. I mean, there, there is something different about that. I think I would always be curious and wondering. I, w- I would need some time to uh, confirm to myself that the ghost is, is, in fact, the family member and not something pretending to be the family member. Because I'd be afraid, that's just me, uh, that it's it, it's something darker that's trying to take on the appearance of this to gain trust. Um, and really, there, there's something else going on there. But that's not always the case. Sometimes it is just simply uh, just the uh, the ghost, and that's all it is. So, that's that. Um, I have uh, some interesting uh, things we found out. And if you want to hear more about this uh, uh, to our listening audience, uh, there is an episode of the program where me and Jen go into great detail about what we uh, learned about the other day. Um, and it's creepy stuff, um, but it, it's it's neat. I'd say it's more interesting than it is creepy, quite honestly. Um, it's in the episode called Bodies on the Land. It is not yet released. If you're an EPP, you can get it as an advanced episode, but it will be released uh, in uh, its regular episode here uh, mid-August. Uh, but if you want to get it now and hear the full thing, EPP's Bodies on the Land is the name of the episode. Uh, but this is what you're about to hear is me telling Harper for the first time and Harper getting this information for the first time of what uh, what we learned the other day, which is pretty interesting. Saved it for the air. Please don't tell me that someone died in my room. No, no, no one died in your room. In fact, nobody died as far as we're aware and nobody is buried on our property, okay? Okay. We have seven acres here and you know there's, at one point in time, this whole area where there's 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 these houses around us that are several acres that way and several acres that way. At one point in time, this was all one big plot of land, and this was all one person's farm uh, or whatever it was. Um, and uh, their homestead it's it's where they they lived for many generations. We don't know where the original house or anything was, but uh, but there was uh, this was all part of one piece of land. So, that being said, we're talking with our neighbor um, the other day, right behind us, um, and he was, uh, we were out in the woods, and we were, I don't know how we got onto the topic of um, 
Oh, mom said to him that because he was asking how much we how we like the area. And we said, we just we love it here. This is this is home. This is where we feel really good. And mom said, I if I could, I'd be buried here because I love it so much. And and he said, well, speaking of that, which is an interesting way to to react to that uh, comment. Uh, He said, when we were building our house, which is the house back there, way back there, down by the river, um, he said, uh, the person he bought the house from, I said, where where are you planning on building your house? He's like, you know, back back over in this area. He's like, well, over in the back corner, meaning back corner towards the river, way back there. um, He's like, you don't want to, you know, you may not want to put the house right there. Because that's where uh, that's where one of the families uh, who used to live uh, here is buried. So there is, in fact, an unmarked graveyard just back there. I We're going to have to check that out well, later. <laughs> well, it, it's not on our property. It's not on our land. It's way back there. And I don't think he even knows where it is because it's, it's not marked. Um, and we're talking hundreds of years ago. He didn't build his house on it. In fact, he made sure when he was building that they they moved their house around a little bit to, from where they originally wanted it so they didn't build accidentally on someone's grave. Um, but as far as it's, it's, you know, it's from this person to that person, but that's back there. So somebody also loved the land so much or whatnot that they're buried back there. But um, we also discovered, he also said that back in on his area of land by the river, that's where Native Americans had a camp. For a long period of time too and he's always finding arrowheads and all sorts of pottery and things of that nature um i think they might have found some remains when they were digging once meaning body remains um and they they stopped digging and then they moved to a different place but our house our area does not have that it's back that way but close yeah I'm not surprised that there might be a burial ground back there by mm-hmm. the lake because a lot of um, Native American burial grounds are often by either a field or a lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, so I, I'm I'm not incredibly surprised by it. I'm just, I'm, I'm more so finding it very interesting uh, historically because I'm into that and so is mom and I know you are too. So to me, it's not a scary thing. It's like, well, other people, of course, were here before us, and they loved this area as well. Yeah. I remember back at the old house. Remember when we found arrowheads in the in the backyard? We didn't find them in the backyard, honey. We that was an abandoned town we were walking to. No, at the old house. Remember, you found that arrowhead in the backyard, and we hid that secret collection of arrowheads up in my treehouse. I don't, we never had a secret collection of arrowheads in your treehouse. Actually, yes, we did. Well, I didn't. Maybe you did. I don't, I have no, I don't remember. I mean, we may have found some rocks that kind of looked like that. Yeah, but you found one that, that was actually... I, I yes, it, you you are right. I did find one. You're you're right. In the last house we did find one that did suspiciously look like it might be, and there was the one that we put in uh in part of your treehouse, and yeah, that, that was like right before we moved. But I I don't know if that was that or not. But we did find a a one that I can 100 percent say was an arrowhead, 
uh, on a walk one day. Um, you were there, weren't you? I yeah, be- I yeah. remember you tried to ask mom about yeah. the arrowhead and you yeah. tried to bring it home with us. That was when we were in Branson and we were doing a walk to a town called um, Garber that doesn't exist anymore other than there's an old post office slash church building that's off in the woods all by itself rotting away. The rest of the town is gone. It's on private land. You can't access it by road. But there's an old wagon trail that's out there and there's rumors of it being haunted as well. And I did finally for the first time in my life find an arrowhead on the path uh and i picked it up and the first reaction mom said was put that thing down (laughs) and and i was not allowed to bring it with us yes and i also remember at the old house there's like a field right behind us along with the lake Mm -hmm. so that might have been a failure ground I don't know. There, there was a little river creek thing there. Um, I, I'm, I'm suspecting there's probably a lot more burials going on in the area of Branson than our last house, quite honestly, um, just in terms of location, because we were on some bluffs and hills and they were also known to bury their dead into uh, caves and things of that nature that were along the way. So that's that. That's the interesting thing. You want to hear more about it and Jen's reaction. Bodies on the Land is the episode. It's an EPP advance right now. It will be released in the coming weeks. Um, But uh, there is one other very interesting thing that happened as well, because we live in a town area called uh, Prairie Grove uh, in Arkansas. There's a big uh, civil war battle that took place here. And there's a park in town that is dedicated to it with a memorial and like a little museum and there's walking trails and all that. Um, and it's, it's really untouched the whole battlefield in the woods. You can really, in your mind's eye, almost see how this would have played out where people would have been stationed on this hill and people coming up through a valley. And it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, but people have for years talked about seeing spirits, hearing cannon fire, all sorts of things in and around this land. The paranormal thing that we have here uh, that that mom uh, had found out the other night, we were sitting on the porch and we were talking about what we had just found out from our neighbor about back there. And she's trying to look up uh, maps of the area, historic maps, uh, to see, well, who owned what plot of land and what in the past to try and, and figure out more about who these people are. And um, she's not finding a whole lot of maps, but she's finding some artwork that was done uh, depicting the Battle of Prairie Grove. And there's, I guess, a fairly famous uh, portrait that was done about it. So this portrait that um, she found a picture of, she she's sitting on her phone and she sees it. And I'm on my phone, too. I'm not seeing what she's seeing. And she just goes, Tony which I don't know what's about to come out of her mouth next because it's like this cautionary, uh, you know, befuddled, you know, oh my God, I just came across something tone. And I'm like, okay, brace. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what am I about to hear? Um, And uh, she goes, this portrait, I bought this portrait like 15 years ago before we ever knew each other, before I had met her, she had bought it for her dining room. And 
for some reason, she was very, very drawn to it. She was very drawn to this picture, which, you know, mom, she's not really drawn to gory scenes of violence uh, in a picture. I mean, everything we have is like, you know, happy cows and, you know, peaceful scenes. This is a violent scene of war and it's it's historic, yes, and and she did say it did remind her of a, a portrait that her grandmother has, but it's just it's really not up her alley in in most cases as far as anything. I, I would think that she'd be like, oh, I'm gonna get this this picture. Um, anyway, 15 years ago, she finds this picture, she she buys it, um, and she hangs it in her dining room. You know what the picture's called? What the Battle of Prairie Grove. At the time, she didn't know where Prairie Grove was, that it existed, that we would ever live here. She had never set foot in Arkansas. She never set foot here. There was no significance to her at the time that this was a picture that, you know, really had any sort of, you know, there was no personal significance to it. 15 years later, she's living essentially where that picture, where that, that painting was was painted, which is pretty bizarre that that in fact would fall into paranormal yeah and that just doesn't seem like mom to buy um a painting that's very violent like up in my bathroom there's literally a a picture of a herford sticking its tongue out yeah. and this like little peep just standing on its head going yeah. like hallelujah yeah that, that's much more of the type of art that she she goes for uh, so why she, and she doesn't know what happened to the picture all these years later, but, um, I bet it's somewhere up in the attic. No, it's, it's not, but it's, it, it it's very interesting that there was this, this piece of art that's uncharacteristic of what she would be attracted to that she buys 15 years ago and ends up now all these years later and several stops along the way. She's living here on the day that we find out about that. And the day that we also found out that uh, during the Civil War, the soldiers walked up our road um, heading to battle. So this was like one of their last stops. This would be kind of the area where they would have been encamped on their side. The northern soldiers were over here and they would have been encamped uh, preparing for for battle. So it's just one of those, you know, you can't explain it uh, things that just, uh, you know, it, it quite interesting. Anyway, if you want to hear more about that, uh, it's on the other episode uh, that we have for you. That's coming up very soon. If you're an EPP, you can hear it now at uh, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. That is going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person, an EPP as we call them, ghostpodcast.com to do that or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Until next time, for Harper and everyone at Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Brisky. Thanks for listening.